0: Hi guys, it's Jess. Welcome back to the Not Carrie Bradshaw podcast where I discuss all things style, wellness, pop culture, and whatever else I feel like from week to week. I hope you guys missed me. I missed you. I have been enduring the consequences of what? My own choices. So I'm not even gonna give you guys a long drawn out excuse of where I've been. I've just been doing my best. So let's dive right in. As per usual, we have to start off with a fashion tip. Now, as I'm recording this, it is, is this still considered the middle or are we on the end of July? Let's just say it's the middle of July. It's hot. That means that retail wise, a lot of stores online and in real life are having end of the season sales, right? This gives them time to get rid of their leftover summer inventory and start ushering in fall wear. So, depending on your concept of time, which is basically just a social construct, okay, at this point, you may either need to take advantage of these sales and get you a couple of good pieces to finish out the summer with in these streets, right? or you need to stop buying summer clothes because it might be fall basically tomorrow, climate change, right? Whichever girl you are, person you are, okay? If you're gonna keep buying summer stuff right now, consider getting things that can be transition for the fall. Something you can add a layer under or over, things that aren't just unique to that season just something to think about because i want you to get the most for your money i you guys know i don't like having a lot of clothes that like that you don't wear out there just something to think about this also gives you a time to really take inventory what you have what you need what you might just want because beaches deserve a little treat you know life is mad hoard right now if you need a little treat Treat yourself. I have made it a mission that every day I'm going to give myself a little treat. I don't know if that means a lip gloss, a cookie, just sitting in silence with my own thoughts and not doing anything. I'm just trying to find a way to incorporate more pleasure into my everyday life because, yeah you know, mental wellness, right? All that stuff. So don't let me discourage you from treating yourself if you want to treat yourself like a halter top, right? But just keep it in mind, how many times do I have left in the summer to wear this halter top? Can I wear this halter top with something under it in the fall? Just something to consider. So this week's episode, I'm thinking about doing the podcast newsletter style, just to update you guys on some things that I've been reading and thinking about, some stuff that I enjoy, some stuff that I actually hate, and we'll throw some pop culture in there. Let me know if you guys like this format, so that's what we're going to do. I have some thoughts about a couple of Twitter topics, a little bit of pop culture, and I want you guys to know about some of the things that I'm reading that have been really helpful for me on this journey to remain sane. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. And we're back. So first of all, let me give a shout out to all the hydration hotties. If you do not follow me on Instagram at not Carrie Bradshaw, you should. But a hydration hottie is someone who, for no reason that I can think of, has an array of drinks near them at all times. And right now I have Rome Temp Water. If you are part of the room temperature water gang, stand up. And a smoothie that I made this morning that I didn't have time to fully finish. And I can't be wasting produce in this economy. So that's where I'm at with this. Shouts out to the hydration hotties. A couple of things that I have been looking at on Twitter, there are just some conversations that need to die, right? We get exhausted with these constant hypotheticals about dating or finances or whatever. I'm just going to say these. If I like a man, I will probably go almost anywhere with that man. So a dude who I'm interested in asking me to go for an ice cream date is dangerous because I'm lactose intolerant. So we probably won't make it very far. If you ask me on a coffee date, that's dangerous because coffee is a diuretic, okay? we probably won't get very far. I have been really lucky, though, in my life that most dates that I've been asked on have been more traditional, formal dinner dates. Now, I maintain that the worst idea for a first date is a movie. You can't talk. It's it's weird to go to a movie on a first date. Now, that's my hot take, okay? Controversial opinion. Don't take somebody to the movies on a first date. Unless you're going to go to dinner afterwards where you can then discuss the movie. But after you done sat in a theater that whole time, like, don't you maybe just want to go home? I don't know. I just don't like the movies for a first date. The other thing, um, I've been sitting with this for a bit as far as the Kiki Palmer situation. I know I'm late on this, but I ain't talk to y'all. So here we go. Kiki Palmer was at Usher's concert. Usher, who is a performer, an entertainer, okay? And a lover of older women, right? Serenades Kiki Palmer, who looked amazing, and it was harmless because both of these people are entertainers. Her baby daddy decided that it was appropriate to slut shame her on the internet. Um, saying that she's a mom. Well, baby, how do you think she became a mom? Because you were attracted to her. If you're going to be uncomfortable with even the idea of other men being attracted to her when you have actually put out content that would attract other men, maybe you should date less attractive women, right? If you can't handle what comes with having a desirable partner you probably need to change your standard of desirable because you knew who i was when you made me i dated a guy i've dated several guys who were really painfully insecure and i will never forget one day being in college and like on campus somewhere. And I had this amazing purple turtleneck sweater dress that I still think about, but it was very of its era. I don't know that I would wear it like present day, but it was a bad bitch during its time. And so like the waist was hitting, the booty was popping, like very much giving. I think I had a sew in at the time. It was very early 2000s, okay? And I remember my boyfriend at the time, like, commenting about it of, I just want attention or something like that. And my cousin interjected and said, like, Muffin is going to get attention regardless because she's pretty. And if you have a problem with it, you should date a less attractive girl. Now, why didn't I break up with him that day? You live and you learn. So, just... (laughs) Date within your level of security. If you are insecure, you should be with someone who people don't find desirable. And maybe not even you. You know, it's just ridiculous. I. Then it's also the thing of like you know, Kiki speaking out against patriarchy, but like you're with this person, did you always know that he was like this? But then on the flip side, patriarchy is so pervasive in our society. How do you find a man who isn't a misogynist? How do you find female friends who don't have internalized misogyny? It's hard out here. So I'm not gonna fault her for that. Now I don't wanna like blame a woman for the actions of a man, like that's not great either. And I do recognize that it's slim pickings out here and we're all just doing our best. But that's something that I'm sitting with as well is like, as a feminist, a strikingly gorgeous and charming and very humble Black feminist, how exactly do I go about dating in a world where I want a partner who is not a raging misogynist and who is at least trying to unlearn some of the harmful things that we've been taught about gender norms? Like... You know, like when people say maybe your standards are too high, that's the kind of shit that makes me wonder if my standards are too high. The fact that I want someone who is self-aware and whose politics and identity are in line with me. And I just 100% do not want to date another person who has those kinds of insecurities. I can't live like that. Um, what was the other thing? Okay, y'all, we have to have a family conversation, Right. So, we were all, or many of us, were praying for Carly Russell's safe return. If you don't know, this is a young woman who um, called her family while she was driving on the highway saying that she saw a toddler wandering along the road and she was going to get out to help. And then her phone goes dead and her car is found, you know, just abandoned and her wig was on the seat and all this stuff. A lot of us were like, oh my God, like someone used a kid to like lure this girl into some sort of like nefarious situation and like everyone was praying for her safe return. It turns out that this wasn't exactly what was happening. Now, this is really troubling because black women have a very hard time being believed as it is. For someone to actually have gotten the attention that a lot of missing black women really needed and could have benefited from, for all that attention to have been put on someone who wasn't legit, it it really sucks. But the thing that sucks about that is that black women have to be perfect so that the rest of us don't have to suffer. And I know that this is a far cry from like what's normal, right? And like, I'm not even... I hope you guys understand what I mean when I say that there's a level of perfection that's put on us in the way we perform black womanhood because oftentimes the one represents the whole, which is true of a lot of marginalized groups. That's what I find really sad about this situation is that this is gonna make things that much harder for the rest of us and I think people are saying that there's like a mental health component at play and you know, I've said before as someone who advocates for therapy and for mental wellness, mental illness is not an excuse. It is an explanation and we can still hold people accountable even when they are mentally ill, right? Um, but I also, but I think the overriding theme that I would want for people to take away from this is if you can't get to a place where you say, believe women or I believe women, can you at least get to a place where you say, I'm going to reserve judgment until we have all the facts? Because we, it feels like we're in this place, and I, I guess it's because of social media. I wonder, I'm trying to remember what life was like before that. Did we take the time to sit with things, to sit with questions, and say let me let me sit with this and see how I feel as opposed to having to have an immediate answer, taking an immediate stand on something. Like, is that something that we always did or is that the result of social media? I need for someone to like research that and get back to me. I cannot fund that research, but I would be very curious. Maybe it's already been done. I don't know. But yeah, like, can we just work our way at least to a place where we don't feel like we need to immediately speak on things or immediately take a side it's okay to say I'm not sure I don't have all the facts let's let's do that instead of feeling like you know like who are you you're not a news channel you know you're not a talking head you don't have to have an immediate answer for breaking news give it a minute sit with it see how you feel so one of the things that I have been reading is um, by Audre Lorde. It's called Sister Outsider, which is a collection of essays and um, about three or four chapters deep. And I'm really enjoying it, just kind of getting a peek into this woman's life. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it stirs up some more of my creative flow, some more of my creative juices so that I can write something I'm proud of again, because I really miss writing, you know? Um So one of the essays is called The Transformation of Silence into Language into Action. And um, I pulled this quote that says, and where the words of women are crying to be heard, we must each of us recognize our responsibility to seek those words out, to read them and share them and examine them in their pertinence to our lives. In this essay, she's talking about how There's this kind of false martyrdom of silence. And I see this a lot on social media where people are like, um, don't be sending him long paragraph text messages. He doesn't care. Um, Or it feels like people think that they have some sort of moral superiority or that they're so much more emotionally or mentally mature by just walking away from situations and not needing to communicate their thoughts or their feelings or... Um, You know, I know some people are internal processors as opposed to external processors, but that there's this attachment to um, keeping things in and that it's this perceived level of strength to not need to, to get things out. And I found this essay to be really incredible because I have friends who have such a hard time communicating and you cannot begin to change your life. Without speaking about things first, it's the thoughts, it's the words, it's the actions, and you need those things in order to create the life that you want for yourself. And I'm not saying that like as a life coach, but from a holistic perspective, I think that it's a good thing to speak. I think that it's a good thing to express yourself. I was sitting with one of my so every bitch I know is pregnant, right? Every bitch I know is pregnant. There are people having babies left and right. And selfishly, I can only think about how that's going to impact my life because I can't afford to buy all y'all kids birthday presents and baby shower presents. I am one bitch, okay? But I said that to say that I was sitting with one of my friend's mother-in-law. And she was telling me basically just like her life story. We had like a lot of time to kill. And I am naturally very curious about people. So I love when people just tell me their life stories, especially if we're drinking. It's one of my favorite things that people just feel compelled to tell me things. And I will soak it up like a sponge. Like, bitch, tell me everything. So she was saying like how she had, I think, like 11 siblings. And when she thinks back to it, she realized that like her mom didn't really have girlfriends where they lived was a bit remote um, and her mom didn't have the benefit of, of having girlfriends and she really only had her kids and her husband and she was saying how she's kind of sad to think all the things that her mom endured and she had no one to share those conversations with. Um, and I just think about how much my life has been enriched by the sisterhood that I share with so many amazing women and what my life would be like if I wasn't able to have that safe space, if I had to hold everything in, if I, you know, had to suffer in silence. That's a thats a kind of death. That's like a spiritual death. And I just felt profoundly grateful um, to live in a time and a place and to be someone who... Um, is very loved by my friends. Like I can honestly say that I have a lot of love in my life. I feel like more than the average person and I feel very blessed in that regard. Um, But this also leads me to a really incredible article that I was reading about gossip and how gossip has been demonized in a certain way that when you define gossip, it's really just like women talking. Um, And it goes through the etymology of the word and how it became demonized because lower class women, even in the Middle Ages in England, um, all lower class women could do was commune with each other. Think about what their roles were in the the shared space of like those like um, what you would call like women's work, you know, cooking and cleaning. And if women get together and start talking, then they can start trying to change things, right? And it's the same thing that kind of happens with people of color. If you can create division within marginalized groups, they will never be able to come together to overrule you or to fight for better working conditions, better opportunities. This is why people don't like when people unionize. Um, And if you can foster competition within women, particularly for... Um, desirability when it comes to male partners, women will never develop the sisterhood that actually advances all people. And I just think it's really interesting how gossip is this very like gender thing when we all know that the messiest bitch you know is a man. Men love to gossip. People love to gossip. People love to share information. And especially when you look at other cultures, and just hit from a historical perspective, the fact that women are these great orators means that we're the keepers of history. We're the keepers of knowledge and i think that's a really powerful thing and so i said all that to say really think about what your silence is or isn't doing for you there definitely is a time to shut the fuck up don't get me wrong now i haven't found that time because according to every teacher i've ever had i taught too much but look at me now still talking too much i'm not gonna change i haven't figured out when to shut up that's not true anyway think about your silence Think about how other people could probably benefit from your story. I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not saying, you know, just go up to strangers and share the most intimate details of your life like people do with me. But just think about, meditate on what is silence doing for me? Just something to consider. I'm putting links to all of the things that I'm mentioning that I'm reading and and sitting with like in the episode description, so don't panic. Um, I'm also reading... Well, I just finished reading bell hooks all about love and I have been thinking about love a whole lot lately. And this book came along right in time because bell hooks says like in this book that when she talks about love in public or with like other academics or whatever, it's uncomfortable and people, it makes you look like you're desperate or delusional. And we're going to talk about delusion in a little bit, but, um, love is essential to life. And she says that one of the main things that we should be doing is coming up with a collective definition of love. And the definition that she offers is love is an act of will, both an intention and an action. Love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another spiritual, grow- spiritual growth. Um, That hit me really hard because um, when my um, brother passed away, um, of course, they asked me to um, speak at the funeral because, again, I like to run my mouth. And one of the main things that I remember saying, because honestly, when I stood up at that podium, I felt like I was going to pass out. Like, I felt like my soul was going to leave my body. Like, I wanted a cigarette, and I don't even smoke cigarettes, but I felt like I need a cigarette or a Xan or a Valium. Like, my adrenaline, my nerves, my anxiety were so high that I almost kind of blacked out. I don't remember everything that I said. I remember bits and pieces and people telling me that I did really good, so I trust them. But the thing that I remember saying the most is that love is a verb. It's an action. And I really needed to see someone like Bell Hooks put those same words into play. Um, And she says that by defining love in this way, we can't mistake love for pain because sometimes people people's idea of love can actually be really painful for you to receive um i think tony morrison talks about that in her novel the bluest eye which i have not gotten around to reading but one of the quotes that she says in that book is that love is only as good as the lover stupid people love stupidly wicked people love wickedly and in their mind they do believe that they love you and that this is how love is performed But if we could all kind of agree on one definition of what love is, we can't mistake pain for love. And I think that that's a really um, profound thing to say. And she, she really pulled together a lot of independent thoughts that I've been thinking on. And she connected the dots so well. I highly recommend reading this book, especially if you're someone who wants to move towards like a more communal, if you really value community this book will really reinforce that belief and kind of give you some more like almost talking points, right? So that's that. Um, I have been following this astrologist, Chris Corsini, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, on Instagram. I don't know if astrology is real, I don't know if astrology just like provides comfort for me about some of my behaviors and how sometimes life be extra hard. And maybe astrology works just in that it kind of comforts you a little bit when the world doesn't make sense. And so I'm not saying I fully believe it, but he does these phenomenal, phenomenal tarot card readings for every sign um, every month. He has been so eerily spot on with the the monthly readings for me that I feel like one of my friends is directly sending him our text threads and telling him all of my goddamn business because I'm like, how you know? How did you know? Uh, he, he's amazing. And um, he signs like American Sign Language, like as he's doing the readings, which is really inspiring me to want to take um, ASL because I feel like that would be a really great and useful skill to have um just especially out in the world you know because I could only imagine what it must be like to not be able to effectively communicate with people around you I kind of struggle with that sometimes despite the fact that i love to talk um so check him out if you're a woo-woo into the stars type of bitch. I really enjoy him I'm putting a link to his Instagram in the episode description as well don't worry I got you boo um television. Y'all know I love me some TV. Let's talk about it. So I'm devastated that I watched season two of The Bear so quickly. I really tried to space it out. I could not. The Christmas episode absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. I was like, I like, I wanted that episode to end so badly because the trauma. Baby, I wouldn't come home. Okay, if family life was like that every holiday, I wouldn't come home. I wouldn't invite nobody over. I'd be like, baby, I ain't got no family. Or my family don't like me. They disown me. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. And I say that as somebody who, obviously, all of our families are imperfect. But if that was my family, child, mm -mm, I couldn't do it. Highly recommend. It's just such a phenomenal show with such rich characters and story. I'm obsessed with it. Um... I am re-watching season three of Marcella. I told you guys about Marcella before. Y'all know I love British TV. Marcella is on Netflix. It's about a detective who has like a dissociative disorder. It, mm, And she solves crimes, but, like, season three, she's undercover. It's so good. I'm watching season three because I'm not sure that I can handle the trauma of seasons one and two because she has some horrible kids. And when I tell you this show will really make you say, fuck them kids, this show will make you say, fuck them kids. Highly recommend. I'm also rewatching The Punisher because the star of The Punisher is also... um, an actor on the bear, well, actually two of them. Uh, And I was like, wow, I really want to revisit their dynamic. And it's almost like just picking those two people up and putting them in a different universe. Um, The Punisher is a part of the Marvel series that first premiered on Netflix before Disney Plus existed. And I really wish they'd done more with those series. They were a little bit less um, cinematic than like the Loki series or um, what's the other one I'm trying to think of Ugh, it's on the tip of my tongue y'all what is it shit the one with the Scarlet Witch Child, it done fell out of my head anyway It was Jessica Jones, The Punisher, Daredevil, and Luke Cage all came out around the same time, and I just really enjoyed those. Daredevil is hands down, like Matt Murdock is hands down my favorite Marvel superhero, Um, so I'm definitely going to rewatch that as well because it was so well done, but I'm watching The Punisher just, you know, because I want to see the dynamics of those two um, actors from The Bear whose names just fell out of my head. I am currently watching Secret Invasion because Nick Fury has deserved his own platform for a really long time. As a black girl from a black place, baby, I love me some Samuel L. Jackson. He is an icon and I hope to, I was going to say I hope to meet him one day, but I don't because if he's like not a nice person, I'll be destroyed. Um, but Nick Fury is, is such a an integral part of the Marvel Universe. I just absolutely adore him, like his whole vibe. So I'm really enjoying Secret Invasion. Um, the cast is really amazing. So definitely check that out. I'm also watching Righteous Gemstones on quote unquote Max. Why would HBO do that? You spend all this time building equity in the name HBO and then you combine with Cinemax and then you drop the HBO for this just random blue color and now the app is glitchy. I just don't understand why brands continue to rebrand like that. Just unprompted. Bitch, did nobody ask you to do that? Burberry did that. Saint Laurent did that. I think Celine did that. And it's like, sweetie, who asked y'all for this? We was good. If you wanted to change something improve the damn user experience on these apps do they nobody asked you for this hbo but righteous gemstones is one of the most ridiculously funny things that i have ever seen um it follows the family of a mega church i feel like they're supposed to be based in atlanta but i can't remember but this family is a hot ass mess okay it's so i'm trying to think like is it absurdist comedy is it satire I don't even know how to categorize it but it's ridiculous and I love it um I want to point out this really amazing poem from Secret Invasion where Nick Fury sits down with his wife I don't want to spoil anything but um she recites her favorite poem it's short don't fast forward just listen Um, the poem says and what did da up? Da, da, sorry. And did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so I did. And what did you want to call myself beloved to feel myself beloved on the earth? I just thought that was a really cute poem because it's really just a quick conversation between two people. And I think our idea of poetry is that it has to be just so like, you know, whatever. I don't know. Sometimes it just feels like intimidating, and I just thought that was a really cool poem and just something to sit with of like the one thing that you desire the most in the world is to be loved. Um, I've just been thinking about love a lot, y'all. So, yeah, thought that was cool. I have podcast recommendations, okay. I realize that listening to a lot of podcasts that I enjoy actually kind of discourages me from doing my podcast because I feel like mine isn't as good as the ones that I listen to. That's something for me to work on in therapy. I'm gonna make a mental note of that. So if you are on TikTok, First of all, you should be following me. Second of all, you may or may not, depending on how your Al Gore rhythm works out, have seen the clips of these two blonde white women with very thick Southern accents, and they start off with what they've had it with. So their podcast is called I've Had It. And the hosts, Jen and Pumps, which I just love that her nickname is Pumps. is so cute. They basically are... The antithesis of toxic positivity, and they create a safe space for people to gripe about things that they're over, that they've had it with. Now, because of the appearance of these two women, right, you might be wondering where they were on January 6th. Okay, but they have come out and very clearly and very explicitly said that despite what we look and sound like, we believe that Black Lives Matter, we believe in science, we are allies of the LGBTQ plus IA community, and I want to let you guys know that not only is their podcast incredibly funny, they are safe for us as Black people to listen to. I fully enjoy them. I'm going to link in the episode description. Um. My other recommendation is Vibe Check. Y'all, I love this podcast so much. I want to be very clear that these people are not paying me to say this. Um, I wish they would because I will take an extra coin if it comes, okay? But Vibe Check is a podcast hosted by Sam Sanders, Zach Stafford, and Saeed Jones, they are three gay black men and they are like the besties that you never had. I feel like um, listening to them, I feel like I am sitting crisscross on a living room floor as a kid listening to the grown folks talk. The way that they talk about news and pop culture is from such a deep intentional and well thought out perspective. Don't get me wrong. It's very entertaining, but they also make me think about things in a way that I had not considered them. And I think it's really important to listen to content from people who don't look or live exactly like you so that you can expand your mindset and so that you can consider things or sit with things that you might not have otherwise done or thought about. Um, So example. There is a song called Rush by a blonde white man named um, Troye Savant. Now, I'm gonna tell you how the algorithm was working out for me, okay? I scrolled on Twitter and I saw some choreo, and people were like, This is the cleanest choreography I've seen in a while. Now, y'all, I love good choreography. I can't dance outside of shaking my ass, but I love to see good choreography and not the choreography that these girls be doing on Instagram now, where it's just like flipping your hair and like rolling around on the floor because it's like, girl, what is the eight-count? What are the moves? Are you up here freestyling? I'm not impressed. So I click on the video, and I'm like, "Oh, they get me!" And I'm listening to the song, and I'm like, "Oh, I like this. Let me look this up. I didn't know that this song had that this was like new or anything like that because I felt like I'd heard it before, but whatever." So I downloaded the song. I watched the whole video. I love the song. The video was very, they're in like an abandoned warehouse and it is a multi ethnic, multi identity kind of sex party. And I was like, uh oh. Well, this is fun for them, you know. And I went back to listening to the song. Now, is that how I want to express myself sexually? No, because it looked like it might have smelled crazy in there. But more power to everyone who that is, your zhuzh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if that's in your wheelhouse of joy, go for it. So it just so happens that on this past week's episode of Vibe Check... They had a segment where they talked about this song and this video. And, you know, everybody's always trying to get to a place of like, is this the song of the summer? Is this the song of the summer? And it's just like, bitch, make the song of the summer whatever you want it to be. But anyway, they were saying that this video looks like a reclaiming of the sexual freedom that the gay community once had pre-AIDS and that there used to be like these warehouse parties and parties on the pier where before there was this threat of this disease, people were very, you know, sex positive and open and free. And that now with medications like PrEP, where it's less of a death threat, like AIDS, our, our understanding of what AIDS and HIV was when we were younger a lot of people are still stuck in that mindset as if it's still a death sentence and it's now just more of a manageable disease and people can get to a place where they're actually undetectable. And I think it was Zach who said that this looks like a reclaiming of that sexual freedom before that time period. And I was like, wow, I hadn't considered like how, number one, the weight of what it must have been like, um, To have lived through that and to have had to change your life so drastically and it just gave me a lot to think about and they were also saying about that there was some backlash to this video because there wasn't enough body diversity and i didn't even peep that because it looked so diverse to me initially because i saw a lot of dark-skinned people in it and unfortunately we even when there are black people they're oftentimes not dark-skinned black people. And I was like, oh, this video is actually really diverse. And like, I don't use that word lightly. But there were people saying that there were no fat bodies. And I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't peep that. However, I also recognize that I have the privilege of like not looking for myself in all of the media that I consume. Because, yeah, that's just not something that I have had to do. Um, I'll say why in a little bit, but I appreciate that the guys were saying, like, everybody can't be all things to all people at once. It's just a video. Give this guy time, you know, to get there. And, you know, fat phobia is very pervasive. It's everywhere. But I just kind of wonder if, can we just enjoy things sometimes? Um, so yeah, check them out. They always give me quite a bit to think about. Sam Sanders also has a podcast on the Vulture Network called Into It. That's a lot of fun. He interviewed someone, um, a writer about Barbie and everything that's happening with Barbie, right? And just speaking to like the privilege of identity. I collect Barbies, little known fact. I put it on my um, Instagram. Check it out. Follow me. And my mom never let me have non-black Barbies. I couldn't even have the racially ambiguous Barbie, okay? My mom was very strict about it. And back in my day, in the 1800s, they had a lot of, like, exclusive collectible Barbies. I could, she would only ever get me the ones that were black. Now, this girl who, um, this woman who Sam Sanders was interviewing was saying how the identity of Barbie kind of made her think that she needed to dye her hair blonde and she's a woman of color. And I'm thinking like, oh, she must be in like her 50s or something before there were Barbies of color. And it's like, this woman was raised in the early 2000s. And I was just thinking like, why would your mama buy you a doll that didn't look like you? And it just dawned on me that my mom wasn't being difficult. My mom just wanted to make sure that she was creating a world where I saw myself. And being black, and being black and from Atlanta, and being black and living in a black part of Atlanta, I do not look to see myself reflected in Everything. I just don't because I grew up feeling very secure in my identity. And especially during the heyday of 90s sitcoms, and I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, so forgive me for repeating. Um, You know, this is for the new guests or whatever. Um, All the TV shows that we watched back then were very black. Um, So I have seen myself reflected in the world around me for a really long time. So I just don't have some of the identity issues that some black people have, like the the viral photo of the dinner that Courtney Cox posted. And it was just like, are they aware that there's just no black people there? And it's just like, I don't look at that and give a shit. Because by and large, if I have an event with all of my friends and family back home in Atlanta, ain't gonna be no white people there. My white friends, for the most part, are here in New York. I have a few, I have like maybe two white friends in Atlanta, but you know what I mean? Most people's friend groups are quite homogenous and I just don't look for where the black people in everything that I see. And I don't think that white people are racist for having mostly white friends because I think that that is by design. I mean, they've tried to like, you know, separate but equal us anyway for a really long time. So that's just not, I could see if it was like a diversity and inclusion panel then it's like well girl you ain't got no niggas up there that's weird right but for somebody having dinner and most of the people there looking like them I think that's pretty normal but again I say that with the privilege of having always seen myself and not needing to see myself in every single thing so that's just me okay so lastly I don't know if I shared this with you guys but I'm gonna bring it back up because delusion is like a big buzzword right now in fact um vibe check did an episode about delusion but I was thinking about it before them so not biting their style or whatever I saw on TikTok the end of last year this very fabulous older woman um was being interviewed by someone and they asked her like what's the secret to a happy life and she said to be a little bit detached and a little bit delusional and so I made that my I don't like to do New Year's resolutions, but I do like to do a theme, and I said at the top of the year that I'm going to be a little bit more detached and a little bit more delusional because I think that life is incredibly serious all the time, and there's always a reason to be afraid. There's always a reason to be anxious, sad, depressed, to feel big feelings, right? And I think that to believe that despite Capitalism and racism and sexism and homophobia and climate change and the economy and all these things that can induce fear, I think that in order to believe that things will get better despite all of those things requires you to be a little bit detached from reality and a little bit delusional about a hope for your future and for the future of the people around you. I'm not saying Beatcha completely disassociating because as a New York resident, I'm constantly around people that are actively disassociating. And I ain't gonna hold you. Sometimes I'd be a little bit jealous because it's like, If you could control being able to just tap out of reality like that, that could be a little bit of a superpower. And that might be problematic to say, so forgive me. But I do think that maybe that's a part of like my Christian upbringing is, you know, to walk by faith and not by sight. That requires a little bit of delusion. And I think that if you're going to be hopeful and to desire a good life and to have all these things, right? You have to be a little bit delusional. And I think that being detached helps you to maybe process things a little bit better, to not take everything that happens in your life so very literal. Um, Hey Friend Hey talks about that a lot, or she did back when I engaged with their content. She would say, you know, you can't take every difficult experience as so literal. You have to zoom out a bit in order to see like what can this experience teach me what can be gained what new knowledge what new level can i achieve if i zoom out to see what the purpose in this experience was and that is detachment that zooming out that's detaching um and i just think that it's cool you know it's a i think it's a way forward sometimes shit just gets too hard sometimes shit just gets too overwhelming and you got to be a little bit delusional to get through to the next day, honestly. So, um, use that with caution, you know, do what you will with that. Um, let me know if you guys like this newsletter kind of format, like verbal audio newsletter of just like things that you might want to check out, people you might want to check out, whatever, whatever. Um, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, Save, share, shoot your girl some money through Patreon um, or Cash App or whatever. Thank you guys for coming back and listening. Um, If this this format works is something that I might be able to stick with so that I can more routinely provide this content for you guys. But I am on TikTok and I am on YouTube. So check me out wherever you feel inclined. And I will talk to you guys sooner than later. I promise all links to the content that I mentioned will be in the episode description. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Love you so much. Bye-bye.